Okay, I want you to open your Bible with me in uh, Matthew chapter 16, and uh, today's our Mission Sunday when we're going to begin to give together a, a wonderful offering to the Lord as part of uh, what we are doing as a church to reach out into the world. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, laid out a mission vision for the year, what we're going to do, and uh, today I want to just speak and share from the Word of God before we actually uh, um, uh, make our offering to the Lord today. All of you in your newsletter should have a, uh, a colored slip which gives uh, our, our vision for Uganda. One side has got what we did last year. The other side, it's got what we want to do this year. And uh, you'll also have a slip where you can make a commitment. And we ask you to measure out and think and pray through your commitment. I don't want you to make an emotional commitment. I want you to make a spiritual, reasoned faith commitment. But before we take up our offering, I want to share something from the Word of God. I want to share something. Missions, saying yes to God. Missions, saying yes to God. And uh, we're going to look in uh, Matthew chapter 16. As I was thinking today, uh, today's our opportunity to partner in missions. It's an opportunity to come together, make a commitment. And commitments make a cost. So, of course, I started to just think about it and... Uh, uh, why we would make a commitment, why we would do what we're going to do, because unless commitment is uh, uh, our sacrifice or commitment is connected to some purpose, uh, it actually lacks real power behind it. We need to know why we do what we do, not just do something. So uh, the thoughts I had to mind were, why should I give, you know? How much should I give? And, uh, and in coming and talking to the church today, I was thinking, well, I wonder what I should say to the church, you know. I've sat in church meetings or in groups before where I felt someone putting pressure on me. Now, I don't, want to put, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I don't like someone putting pressure on me. I don't like emotional pressure. I don't like any kind of pressure. I like to make decisions having thought through and considered it. So in thinking what to share today, I felt that I would look into and share with us the very core, why missions, why we do what we do. Why, when, we, when you hear this, I believe you're going to say in your heart, yes to God. You're going to say in your heart, yes to God. And uh, otherwise, we, we, we just sort of, well, we've got a Sunday, we're doing something again, and next we do something else. Actually, that's not what this is all about at all. And what I want is to get an understanding from the Word of God, why we do what we do, why it is we're doing this, eh? See, we don't get involved in missions just because there's a need. Oh, there's a need. Is there? Oh, my goodness me, there's a need. Oh, well, really? Oh, I suppose I better do something. No, there's needs everywhere. You don't have to go overseas to find a need. Uh, do we do, do it because, well, we know someone in Uganda? Well, we know someone over there. We could help them out. Do we do it for that reason? No, we don't do it for that reason. Uh, well, do we do it because this is a good thing for the kingdom of God? Well, maybe that's a part of the story, but it's more than that. Do we do it because it's a good idea? Well, it's a good thing to give. We should give. Do we do it because, well, Christians ought to give? You see, all of those things may have a yes behind them, but actually they're not the real reason why we give. And they're not the real reason why we participate in mission. That's what we will look at today. We get involved in mission because it represents who we are in the world. Mission is not about giving something in an offering to Uganda or some other place. Mission is actually the core DNA of who you are as a believer. Now, of course, you may not understand that, so I'm going to just share a few things out of the Word of God. And I want us, because if we don't think right, if we have wrong mindsets, the way we think about things determine what we do. We're not just going over there to help out in Africa. We're not just going over to give John some money because he's poor and needs money. If we do that, well, then we just become a bank for someone in need. And that's not who we are. Sometimes when I've gone into third world countries, I've had to tell them, we haven't got a lot of money. Well, we've come here is to be a partner and a friend with you, to stand with you and see we've got a common vision together. We've come to serve the purpose of God together. 
When we've gone into Africa, what we found is, of course, the prevailing mentality there in Africa is, we're poor, you're rich, give us money. And then, of course, over here we think, we've got the money, we've got to give to them because they're poor. And both mindsets are completely wrong. I've told them, do not come to us with the thought, you're poor, we're rich, and so we provide money like a bank for you. We're not a bank, and we're not going to have that role to you. We're partners together. You've got to come up to the par two. You've got to be an equal partner, and you've got to contribute something to what you're doing over there. So we've had to work on the mentalities. Remember we shared with you a few weeks ago how the, uh, we wanted to do some work to support orphans, but we found they needed to come up at the other end and be more responsible. We can't have a partnership where it's all one-sided, where we're just paying all the way and they're not doing anything. That's not a partnership. That's a help. You're helping someone out. We don't want to help people out. We want to stand with them and do the work of God together. And so in everything we do in missions, it's all connected to the DNA of who we are as a church. And so there's a lot of things I say no to. I find it very hard because there's a lot of organizers, a lot of needs, a lot of good things, a lot of ideas come, and I'm sure they come to you, and you don't know, well, who do I say yes to and who do I say no to? And the answer really lies in understanding what we are called to do and focusing on that. Jesus could walk past a crippled man every day and do nothing for him. How about that? Every day through all his ministry, he walked into the temple and walked past a crippled man. He never healed him because he did the things he was called to do. See? Now he's given that mandate to do that work to us. And so we have to understand that missions is not just something we do. Missions is the very core of who we are, are people sent into this world to make a difference. You need to see yourself as a missionary, a man, a woman, with a purpose, something you're sent out of those doors into the community and into this world to do. If you don't see that, you miss the core of it, and church then becomes another in a list of a whole lot of organizations trying to get money to do something good. We've got to really think differently about this whole deal. So in Matthew chapter 16, let's read a few verses here. The core of the church's DNA. And uh, uh, Jesus said, uh, who do men say I am? And he said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. And he said to them, who do you say I am? And this is what Peter said. Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my father has revealed it. This came by revelation. What came by revelation? Who is Jesus? What Peter was given then was a revelation of who Jesus is. And then, once he's got that revelation, Jesus says what he's going to do. What Jesus does comes out of who he is. He said, I will build my church. So building the church has something to do with who Jesus is. When we start to think that way, we begin to change our whole thinking about church. Most people concept of church is of some kind of group, and they think of it in certain kind of ways or base it on their past experiences, and they don't see it in terms of who Jesus is and what Jesus says about it all. Jesus said, notice what he says. He says, you are Peter upon this rock or the rock of revelation. I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall also be bound in the heavens. What you loose on the earth shall be loosed in the heavens. I give you keys. I will build my church. Now we have to see what Jesus is saying here. Basically, Peter says to him, you are the Christ the anointed one, and you are the son of God. Now think about this. 
He is saying, you are anointed or empowered for a mission in life. Because the anointing is for a purpose. You are God's anointed one, God's person with uh, anointing to accomplish something in the earth. And you are not just an ordinary person, you are the son of the living God. Now that tells us something straight away. Why would God step out of heaven and bring his own son into the earth and anoint him with power? Why did he do such a thing? Very, very simple, because there's a crisis in the earth. That crisis existed in Jesus' day, and it's still there. That crisis is called sin. Men and women are separated from God, and oppression, sickness, disease, poverty, wars, strifes are in the earth. The very reason Jesus came into the earth is the same reason he said he's going to build a church. Jesus, the name Jesus means literally this, Savior or the one who's come to save and deliver us out of the power of darkness. So when Peter got a revelation of who he is, it goes something like this. Who are you? I am the Savior. That tells us we need a Savior. There's a crisis in the world and the world needs someone called the Savior to get them out of the crisis. No political system can fix it. No economic system can fix it. No education can fix it. The world needs a Savior. Its problem is sin separated from God and alienated from the kingdom of God. And so Jesus said, uh, Peter's revelation was, this is Jesus, the Savior, the Son of God, come into the earth to solve the crisis. Now, if you think that he solved the crisis solely by what he did on on the cross, you haven't got the full picture. Because Jesus didn't say after that, I'm going to go to the cross. He said, I'll build my church. Why would we, Jesus, want to build a church? Why would he want to do that? Because he had a mind. You listen to see what he said. Because he said, I will give you, you, the church, built on revelation of who Jesus is and what he's called to do. He said, I will give to you keys. Keys unlock things. I will give you keys which unlock the realm of heaven so you can bring heaven into the earth. There's no sickness in heaven. You can bring healing into the earth. There's no demonic oppression in heaven. You can bring freedom into the earth. There is no poverty in heaven. You can bring uh, abundant blessing into the earth. In other words, he's saying, I've got my work to do, but what I'm going to do is raise up a people to carry on that work. And that people called to carry on that work He calls them by a special name. It's called the church. And you're not the church just because you come to meetings. We are the church because we have a foundation of personal faith in Jesus Christ and we are aligned to be the church he's building. See, the church Jesus is building isn't just a church that sits around and have meetings. The church Jesus is building is on about extending the kingdom of God in every area of society. Our mandate is to go to every part of society. Why? Because there's sin everywhere. And the consequence of sin is death. People are separated from God, separated from His ways, and they're in bondage. They may look like they're prospering, but when you get into their heart, you find the pain and the stress and the anxiety, the fears, the problems in their lives. They're everywhere. And we are mandated to go into the earth and make a difference. The very... DNA of the church is it is a missionary people, a people with a mission. 
a people who are sent by God. If you don't understand who you are, you'll never do what you're called to be. Jesus, his name means the Savior. He was Jesus Christ, the Savior, the one who saves people from their sins, the one anointed by the Holy Ghost. So what did he do? He saved people out of sin and he released the power of God and set them free. So why do they call the church the body of Christ? Why is it so important you become anointed and become the Christ in the earth, the anointed body in the earth? Because there's still a job to be done and Jesus' way of doing it is by doing it through people. And so we notice here as we look at the verses... He says, uh, Jesus says, uh, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So God's answer to the problem of the earth was to send a personal representative. 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose was the son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Sickness, poverty, oppression, ignorance, mismanagement, oppressing the poor, wars, crimes. Jesus came to do something about it. There is a spiritual source to the problem. And unless you go to the spiritual source and deal with it, you can't solve the problem. No one is going to solve the problem in the Middle East. They cannot. Because it's spiritual in nature. And only a spiritual solution will be a lasting solution. That's why reconciliation requires a spiritual solution. So upon this rock, I'll build my church. Jesus said he is building something. What is he building? A church. It's his church. And if it's his church, he can tell the church to do what he wants it to do. Missions is not something that takes place in a far off land. A missionary is not someone who sells up all and goes off and lives in a foreign land. Jesus said, I will build my church. And everybody's got the right to say, when the church is being built, what it will be like. The core of the church is, it is a sent people. We are sent into the world to make a difference. And if all the church does is worry about going from one meeting to another meeting, getting blessed and worried about getting the next prophecy or getting the next blessing or the next touch of God, we have totally missed what it's all about. We engage God and his presence and his person in order we might fulfill his purpose in the earth. We're all called on a mission, eh? All Tom Cruises, eh? Mission Impossible. It's brilliant. See? Now, so that the world is in a crisis, what was God's answer? God sent his son. The world's still in a crisis. What does he do now? He sends the church. Sends the church. Jesus dealt with the core of the problem. It's up to the church to go out and enforce what Jesus has done. See? So what is Jesus? What is the church Jesus is building? It's being built to solve the crisis. The church isn't here just to hang around till Jesus comes. You're not here to hang around and go to heaven. You're here to solve the crisis. What is the crisis? Sin. Wherever you go, you'll find sin. You'll find it in your own life. Find it in your family, in your marriage. You'll find it everywhere around you. And you and I are called and given power by God over sin to bring a change. There is no one in the world authorized to deal with demons except the church. And if we won't, we have failed our primary purpose. Quite often in militaries, what is your mission? What is your mission? What is your primary purpose? And if you lose sight of that, you're lost. You can be in the church and lost. You can be in the church and lost. You can be in the church 
and lost. The prodigal son, the elder brother, was in the house but lost. Why was he lost? See, we all talk about the prodigal son. He went away and came back. He was weeping and tears. And we think, yeah, yeah, the sin is coming in. What, what, what. what we forget is also it's a story about an elder brother who was in the house and never understood the father's heart and never embraced his purpose. And that's where the church of today lives. And God wants us out of that zone. He wants us to understand why, what is the father's heart? None perish, all saved. None perish, all saved. None perish, all saved. Why would he have gone into the world? Why would he have gone to all that effort to send his own son to represent him, to go into the world and pay, die such a horrible death? Why? None perish, all saved. None perish, all saved. It's the heartbeat of God. And the, the, the prodigal son, when the prodigal son came home, his father was waiting to reach him. Why? Because it was in the father's heart to reach him. The older brother got angry and resentful at the fuss that was made over the sinner being saved. Why? Because he didn't understand the father's heart. He lived in the house, enjoyed the benefits of the house, but never aligned with the purpose of the house. He never got in touch with the heart of the father, which is always none saved. None perish, all saved. None perish, all saved. That's the heartbeat of God. It is still the heartbeat of God. It is still the heartbeat of God. Don't you tell me people are too hard to save. They're not too hard to save. I got saved. And so did you. It's not too hard for a sinner to be saved. And you and I are sent into the world with a mission. Oh, well, that's not my, that's, that's not my thing and I'm not an evangelist. Listen, you are called to be a kingdom person, live a kingdom life, and have a mission to make a difference. There's no one exempted. Unless, of course, you are not in the church Jesus is building. Think about that one. Jesus came to a church in his day that called themselves church, but weren't the church he was building because they didn't have the purpose that God had for his nation. Well, think about it. See, what makes us the church that Jesus is building when we're aligned with the purpose he has for the church. Think about that. Oh, well, I come to church, I'm a good Christian. Listen, the Bible says it was the disciples of Jesus that were called the Christians. Today, any person can stick a name Christian on them, doesn't mean you're a Christian at all. Christian is a Christ follower. Christian is a Christ follower. If I'm following him, I'm aligned with what he wants for my life. Why? Because the core problem is disconnection from God and out of touch with his purposes and so if I'm going to be saved I come back to him and in alignment with his purposes church in the west wants to have everything and yet not be aligned with the purpose of God being aligned with the purpose of God gives our life purpose you are a missionary 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 you are a missionary. How do I know? Because when you got the Holy Ghost, the Bible tells us why the Holy Ghost is given. The Bible says, Acts 1.8, and you shall receive power of the Holy Ghost coming on you, and you shall be missionaries. Oh, you said, didn't say that. My Bible didn't say that. Oh, no, no, it says something like this. You shall be martyrs. You'll give your life up for a cause bigger than your world. If you're wrapped up in your world, then all you'll be thinking of is God is here and the church is here and everything's here to help me get ahead. Whatever getting ahead means. Because you'll struggle all your life to get ahead and then wonder whether you really ever got there. 
Church exists to fulfill the purpose of the one who designed it. I will build my, 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 my church. It's his church. His church. It's not my church. It's his church. He's got the right to say it'll be a certain kind of church. And I tell you what, he will build that church. The question is whether we are part of that church or not. To be part of that church, we have to be aligned with him and his purpose. It's a choice. Because the thing is, well, that's uncomfortable. That's why he gave us the Holy Ghost to help us, eh? Think about that. See? So think about this. Now, why? so what's the church? The church is being built by Jesus Christ for his purpose. What is it for? To respond to the crisis in the world. When God looks on Hastings and Napier and sees the problems there, his answer is to build a strong church. Because no one person can solve the problem. Only a body of people living in community can. Individually, we can't do it all, but we can make a difference. But you see, corporately, we can have a huge effect. But we've got to see that. So we're here for a purpose. He didn't raise up other organizations. He uses them and he will raise them for a season. But his intention is the church. We are here, see, we're here to restore people to their creator and to extend the kingdom of God on the earth. Listen, the Bible tells us God's plan is every part of the earth will be filled with the knowledge of his glory. How's that going to happen? The church. How can the church do it? Well, well, not any church. The church he's building will do that. The church Jesus is building will extend his glory, his name, his nature, his power, his life, his values into every part of the earth. What does that mean? It'll fill the education system. It'll fill the political system. It'll fill the arts. It'll fill the media. It'll fill the sports. It will fill the earth. But Christians have been told, well, you can't be involved there. You shouldn't be involved there. But that's not true because we're called to be involved there. That's who we are, missionaries. We're missionaries. We're all missionaries. So I see some of you wrestling with that. I'll keep saying it. Every believer is a missionary. Look at this. John chapter 17, verse 18. See, and I'll tell you why you're struggling with it. There'll be two reasons you're struggling with it. Number one is what, how you think a missionary is. And number two, because you're struggling to align with, the, with God's purpose. It's a hard issue of disobedience. But the core of it is to actually understand what God calls us to be. If I live out what God calls me to be, not what people want me to be, but what God says I am, I'm going to find fulfillment. If I live according to the pressures of the world, look what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 18, as you have sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. How about that? In just the same way you sent me into the world. Identical to the way you sent me into the world. How did God send the Son into the world? Well, he was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost. You got born again by the Holy Ghost. He was nurtured in a woman and brought forth. Yeah, you're nurtured in the new Christians class and whatever and with believers until you start to grow up and come forth. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost. Yes, you get anointed with the Holy Ghost. Jesus began a ministry to break the power of the devil and proclaim the kingdom of God. Oh, yes, that's us. That's us. That's who we are. See, in the same way the Father sent me, I send you. Now listen, when you send someone, you're giving them a command and a mandate and you back them up. So when Jesus came into the earth, he had a command, a mandate. It was backed up by all of heaven. And so when you're sent out, it's not a suggestion to do this. It's a mandate from heaven to do it. It's a part of who we are. Who are we? Well, we are called the body of Christ. What does that mean, the body of Christ? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does that mean? We now are his physical representatives in the earth. God still has physical representatives in the earth. They are called the Christians, the followers, the disciples of Christ. Called to make a difference. 
called to go out and invade the earth, called in a mission. You've got to have a bit of attitude, not stand back there defensively waiting for Jesus to come and get us out and let everyone burn in hell. Listen, that's a total wrong way of thinking altogether. It's not God's heart. God's heart is to invade, to advance, to help people, to bring them into the, into the light. See? So every believer is a missionary. John 20, verse 21 to 22. As the Father sent me, now I send you. Receive the Holy Ghost. Why do you need the Holy Ghost? To do the job. Holy Ghost is not just so you can get gold on your hands, diamonds on the floor, a buzz on you, or a fire inside you, or the shakes, the wobbles, the tongues are in there. It's far more than that. The Holy Ghost has given you, so you are empowered to do the mission of what God has called you to do. Think about that. So every believer is a missionary. Now, when people think missions, they think needs. And we think when we're talking about missions today, we're talking about meeting needs. And there are some needs. Definitely are. But what we need to really is change our focus. See, today, see, one of the things I was thinking about today, I was thinking, well, what do I come to? I just tell them how much needs there are and, and sort of ask people to give and try and use a bit of emotion and say, no, not at all. That's not really what we want to do. See? The thing is not really how many needs there are and what we can do. The thing is, what can God do through us? It's not how much you can give. It's how much does God want to give through you? How much is God able to bring into your life that you can be a channel of his life? See, if we look and we say, well, I ain't got much. Can't do much with nothing. Listen, that's not how you work. You say, God, what what are you saying to me I can do? See, when the disciples were sent, 12 men, they had to go and change the world. Do you think they had enough? God said, no, I'm with you. I'll get the Holy Ghost to you, and you'll dream up ideas and have all kinds of things. I'll bring resources to you through the principles of faith. I will bring to you what you need to impact every generation. And today, in every part of the earth today, there are representatives of Jesus Christ. Why? Because 12 men believed they could do it. They didn't do it just because of sacrifice. They did it because of faith. They believed. They believed God. Eh? Every believer is called to that. Look, in Luke 6 and verse 35, interesting thing. See, what we need to do is see that in Luke 6 verse 35, this is what the Bible says. Now, this is an interesting one. I want to share with you a couple of things, and we'll just come to our, our, what we're going to do. Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what grace is on your life? Even sinners can do that. If you give to those who give to you, well, that's nothing special about that. Even sinners can do that. But if you love and you give, not trying to get something back, it requires a special grace on your life. And he says, and, listen to this, if you give like God gives and love like God loves and speak like God speaks, you know what? You will be the children of the Most High. In other words, your identity, who you are, is reflected in what you do. And what you do defines who you are. What you do defines who you are. If you forgive people just because God tells you, you've missed the point. I forgive people because I'm a forgiving person like my father. See? Say, well, you give to that person. Why do you give to that person? They didn't deserve it. Well, I didn't do it because they deserve it. I give because I'm a generous person like my father. You do it out of identity who you are. Otherwise, if you don't operate that way, you'll operate out of emotional pressure. And the person who puts the greatest pressure on you will determine what behavior you have. We can't live that way. We need to live out of who we are. Who are we? Well, we're missionaries. Who are we? We're children of God. We love people. We give to people. We're generous. We're positive. We believe. We give. We do things. We make things happen. We take initiatives. Why? Because we're the people of God. That's who we are. Oh, that's not me. Well, you need to know who you are. You're still living in your old life. Who you are, you're a missionary. Who you are, you're a child of God. You're an ambassador. 
You have the kingdom of God inside. You've got to start to believe what God says about you. See? Every one of us. So, so what we do defines who we are. So if your giving is very small, it defines who you are. A small giver. Think about it. See? If you don't forgive people, then that defines who you are. You're an unforgiving person. See? But if you give generously, that defines who you are. You're a generous person. So why do I do it? So you'll be happy? No, because that's who I want to be. That's who I'm wired to be. And when I'm doing what I'm wired to be, then I'm fulfilled. That's why if you love people and you give unconditional love, something in you registers this is good, healthy, and gets good results. When you resent and hate and mistrust people, something in you reacts, you become sick, you have stresses and break down because that's not how you're wired to live. See? We're the children of God. We're called, this is our DNA. We're missionaries by nature. Why are we missionaries by nature? Because God is a giving God. How do we know that? Because he sent his only son. God sends people. God sends people. That's who he is. Holy Ghost is ascending Holy Ghost. When he comes on you, it's to send you. Well, where is he going to send me? To Africa or to Israel? Where is he going to send me? No, they're going to send you to somewhere where you're going to be living. Your community. Wherever you are. He'll send you. Why? Because he's ascending God. Someone there is in need and they're asking God to help and you're the one God sent. See, so God is sending us. Now, we go out to various nations, but you notice that we do things which are in harmony with who we are. What are we called to do? We're called to be a powerful, anointed, Holy Ghost church. So we only want to go to places that are open to that. And there's a lot of other needs, but we do not go and connect with them. Why? Because if they're not open and they're resistant to what we are, there's no point building with them. You can't partner with someone who doesn't flow in the same kind of flow. What do we do when we go? Well, we equip people. Why? Because that's what we are, an equipping church. So when you look at what happens when teams go out, we've got four or five people go to nations primarily to equip, empower people, put into them what we have. Why? Because they welcome it and we can work with them together. That's why I don't get involved or say yes to everything. I only say yes to the things that are in alignment with who we are. Otherwise, you say yes to everything. You have, you have no effect whatsoever. You've got to know who you are. So we're an equipping church. It's in our mission statement. It's in our values. It comes out of Jesus' heart. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9. He said, he saw the great harvest, was moved with compassion, and he said, the need is great. Pray the Lord will raise up laborers. God doesn't want just money. He wants people. He wants you empowered with a vision to make a difference. That's what it's about. So in giving, it's not just about us presenting a need and you responding. It's about standing up on the inside and saying, this is who I am. I am a giver. I am a God person with a mission. And we work together on a common mission. See, in Philippians 4 verses 15 to 20, Paul talks about a partnership. He talks about a partnership with the Philippians. And he said, in one of the verses, he said, when I went out in this apostolic ministry, there was no one partnered with me except you. And continually you gave to me. And he said, what you gave in partnering with me in apostolic mission was a sacrifice well-pleasing to God. And God will supply your needs, every need. Most Christians take, every night of that scripture, Philippians chapter 4, now my God shall supply your every need through Christ Jesus. Everyone knows that one. However, it's connected to the other bits. If you don't get the other bits, you miss the point. Who did God say, my God shall supply your every need? Those who partnered in the apostolic call of touching nations and gave into that thing. Why? Because they were being the church when they did that. And when they were being the church by investing in the harvest, then he could say to them, God will supply your every need. Why? Because he's interested in the harvest too. 
That's why the bigger our vision gets, the better it is for you. Because we'll need a lot more money. You say, oh no, that's just the very thing I didn't want to hear. Now listen, listen, if God expands and when God expands our vision and increases our vision, we will need more resources and more people. And that is good news. Because God will have to get it to us. Question is whether you're that kind of person that God can get things to. Come on, this is how you got to think about this. Otherwise, we just fall into the trap. We stand up, tell you all the needs. There's heaps of needs. It's not about the needs. It's about being a people. It's about being a Joseph, a provider for the people of God. It's about partnering with what God is doing. Not with everyone. I don't partner with everyone in the world. I don't like some of them. And I don't like what they're building. But we found people that we can partner with. And so we work with them and we equip them and resource them. And it's a partnership. We don't put our name on any of it. We work with them and together we do the work of God. Otherwise, it's like, well, we'll pay and you do the work and then you tell us what you did and we'll claim all the credit. It doesn't work like that. It works in a true partnership of sharing. What's the issues in Uganda? Well, there's four basic, four problems. One is there's a weak local church and our answer to that is to equip them, train them, provide the resourcing, help them get up, teach them and part to them. Put the guys out of our church that are good into their church and help them become a strong local church. What's another need in Uganda? Simply, demonic oppression, sickness, disease, oppression. So our answer, bring them, teach them how to move in the power of God, teach them deliverance, teach them healing, get them restored, get them out of their problems. What is the problem in Uganda? Orphans. What's our answer there? Well, we need to support orphans. We need to help. We need to do something to help them. What is their problem? It's poverty. Well, you're not going to solve poverty by just dipping a lot of money in. So we tell them very simply, say, we'll, we'll help you get into business for yourself. And when you got into business for yourself, you've got to be a giver to the local church. See, because I could help an orphan out all my life, but if I get someone that's the parent into business, then they can provide for the orphan. Much better deal. And so now we find ourselves doing things we never thought we'd do. Doing orphan care, doing it through a local church, doing uh, work of trying to get businesses started up. I've never been down this path before, but it's an exciting path because God's got to come through and help us. Because we're the answer to the problem. He'll do it. He'll find a way. The thing is just who will be part of that? Who will be part of that? Who'll be part of that? What a great thing to be a part of, eh? Why don't we just have a look at what we did last year? Let's put the PowerPoint up and have a quick look at what we did last year. And then we'll flow through and take up our, our missions giving today. So number one, let's have a look at what we accomplished in 2005. Here it is. Leadership development. Whoop, should be something up there. Okay then, pop it up on the screen. You got it there? Yeah, okay. So this is what we did in, in 2005. We did a leadership seminar for about 500, 400, 500 pastors and leaders. We did an open-air evangelistic crusade. Uh, there may be 200 saved, a whole lot of miracles over that time. We invested into Pastor John. We took him off and paid for him to go to Singapore. He had two weeks training there in Singapore, came back transformed and ministered to by that experience there. We purchased for him uh, some land. The reason we got land, uh, again, I've never been down that way. Normally, I wouldn't go into land or buildings at all. But we actually, by getting them land, we helped them become established. Because in their culture, you're nothing until you have land. So what I didn't realize until after we'd done it, when we got them the land, suddenly their profile in the community rose up. That, that leads to one of the other things we're going to do. We're going to build the pastor a great house to home, house his family and his, uh, not only his kids, but also other kids as well. And the reason we want to do that is because it greatly raises the profile of him and his work in the community. It helps extend the kingdom. Okay then. So 
Well, we did. We purchased 1.7 acres of land, which will be used for a ministry training centre. There'll be a medical centre and school and a pastor's house on there. And then it also raised up uh, equipment and resources. We got music, a sound system, keyboard, speakers, amplifiers. We did a whole lot of things last year. And that was only in Uganda. But last year's uh, missions offering was for Uganda, so we're just reporting on that. We also went to a whole range of other countries, as we will be doing this year. Cambodia, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, South Africa, United States, Taiwan, China, uh, Fiji, Cambodia, Uganda. So there's a whole heap of nations. About 11 nations we're going to this year. Teams are going out. Equipments are going out. So this is what we're doing. I want us to have a look, and we're going to just have a quick look at, uh, for this year, what we're going to do this year. So our vision for Uganda in 2006. There we go. Now remember, this is a part of what we're doing overall, but this is today what we're going to focus in faith giving towards. Uh, number one is leadership development. We run a leadership conference, Andy took, already in April. Joel will go over there with the team later on in the year, and we'll run two more conferences for women, one in Mbali and one in Buzia. And uh, we also want to put up a, some facilities there. We're going to put up a house for John and his family. He's got uh, four kids of his own and, and there's a whole range of orphans he cares for. So we want to build a substantial house. By that I mean there'll be a wing for his family. There'll be another wing which will house visitors and accommodate pastors and leaders coming in. And there'll be an area between where they'll have hospitality and a good kitchen. And this will be a huge, it'll actually be a tremendous testimony to the community of God's power to provide through the local church. And uh, we want to provide also equipment and resources for him as well. So uh, what we're doing in that area is we're going to provide him with a video Bible school, which means he's got uh, uh, something like, uh, I don't know how many, six semesters. That's six lots of six months. It's a whole heap of Bible teaching, all done on video with top, world top people. Uh, we'll provide Bibles and concordances uh, for them. They're about $5 US each, a projector and a screen, a DVD player to make this whole thing work. So you'll actually have a full Bible school there. A generator to keep the power on because otherwise it stops all the time and you can't be predictable. Uh, we also want to provide a digital camera and a computer and scanner and printer for him so that we can set up an operation system for all the orphan reports coming back to us and to other organizations that help them and some bikes to help some of the social workers. As far as the orphans go, there's tremendous need for orphans. Well, I believe out of the church we could raise money and support a number of orphans. I have in my heart 100, but we put down for our target this year to support 50 orphans. That's uh, $300 a year, and that will, they live in their families. They don't live in an orphanage. They live with family, extended family. And so what that will provide is medical care. It will provide uh, schooling and education, some clothing for them. It's carefully monitored how that goes. So that's 300 a year. You can work that out. That's uh, not very much a week, is it? About uh, 50 weeks, 5 $6 a week. Not very much at all, about 90 cents a day. So there's something we could be involved in. Refugees, uh, I felt the Lord extend our heart to go beyond John and to work with refugees as well. The refugee work is, a, is an aid area. It's not going to be the majority of what we do, but we still need to do some of it because it gives the church an outreach arm over there. So we'll give some assistance to them. Uh, there are something like 80,000 refugees just in the area north of John, and uh, they're in refugee camps. Uh, they will die there, and uh, we just want to do something. We want to take a gospel testimony in there, Preach the gospel through the local church. Let the church uh, provide aid. So the, 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 the vision or the way we see it is like this. See, if, we, if you just wanted to do some of these things like orphans or, or microfinance, you could just go to another organization. We're not wanting to do that. We're wanting to do it through the local church. You say, well, how come you're doing it through the local church? There's all these other things. Yeah, the reason the other things are there because the local church has failed in its mandate. 
what we're saying is, this is what the church of the future will do. It will do these things. And even though there's not many churches that are doing it that way, we're going to do it that way with the church. So we will help them set up orphan flow through the church. We will help them set up financial aid and uh, support for people to get into work and jobs through the church. And in return, the people there will contribute to the life of the church. So I wanted to support orphans who were in the local church and we raised up. I wanted to raise finance only for people who will be a part of the local church and contribute. So it becomes actually the kingdom of God advancing through the church spiritually, socially, educationally, and financially. Good stuff, eh? The church of the future. So we're not building what we've seen. We're building towards where God is moving with the church in the future. And so we also want to do the microfinance, and we plan uh, three small business, medium businesses and then a group of small businesses. The small businesses, 10 to 20 small ones, you're talking about buying, buying some beans for 100 bucks and selling them off in little bags and making you know, $20, $30 on it. It's to get a, a widow so she's got money coming in. Most of them can't even start. So once you do this to them, you help. So we believe that will really grow and probably become the major area of support over there because if you can get a widow to support herself and her family, then those widows can look after orphans. So you've got the whole deal together. So there it is. Wasn't that a great thing to do that, eh? Isn't that great? We've got a little wee video clip too. Let's have a look at that now. Uganda. There it is. Have a quick look at it. Then I want us to get ready. We're going to come together to the front. I want you to be prepared to give. We're going to take up. We're going to sing a great song, Church Arise. And what we're going to do is come to the front and joyfully sow in. Now, I'm not, we, Joy and I were thinking what we could give, and we, did, we thought we wouldn't just give what would be a sacrifice. We would give what God said, God said we could do. Here it is. Uganda. Is that man on the left? He looks familiar. the church building that they built over there on the land we bought them. So you notice they've done it. We didn't help them in that. Whole church is a lot freer than it was last year. It's come up a whole new level. something over there we have to finance all of it of course but uh, we're teaching them more about being responsible themselves and trying to do more to make it happen again we're trying to break that whole mindset that we have everything to supply and they just get, get to receive it from us we want it to be a genuine partnership here you see uh, where all the orphans are you can see a whole range of them of course there's unlimited numbers of orphans more this year than there were last year you can see them all crowded around because you're in a church environment you can see the bright eyes that they have, the ones that love the Lord. Real contrast to when you go to refugee areas and they've got no hope whatsoever. Hey! I'd love to some of the women in our church to wear an outfit like that. Hello, BCT. This is your brother, John Wandera from Uganda. 
It's been lovely having uh, Andrew Mason, Bob, and uh, Rodney with us. It has been a wonderful moment. They have been impacted and blessed the, the pastors. It was great. Thank you very much, Pastor Mike and Joy and all the trustees for releasing them. I pray that God bless you and uh, keep that heart that together we can build a strong work and God is speaking it on. So I just want to release God's blessings upon you that our partnership should continue. Father, I just want to thank you for the city. Thank you for the entire church. Thank you for Pastor Mike. Bless the church. Lift them up the more and more so that we can be able to impact the whole nation and the whole world. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you all. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's get ready to give right now. You'll have a form inside uh, your, uh, your newsletter. Gives you a, it's a missions pledge. doesn't mean you've got the money, but it means you're saying, I believe this is what God has spoken to me to give this year. Remember, missions is about us doing what God called us to do. So we sat down as we were thinking about what we would do. We realized we didn't have the money available, but what we would do, we would believe God will get it to us. Once we said we believe God, you get it to us, then we were able to hear clearly and we were able to make a commitment. So there we go. And uh, you could put your name and your phone number on there. And uh, you don't have to designate where it all goes just unless you really want it to go to one particular place. You don't have to have all the money with you now. But when you sign this and you put it in, it's your commitment. Over the year, this is what I'm going to do. And uh, then make sure that it's clearly identified that the money's coming from you for missions. It's coming from you for missions, not just part of your ordinary tithe and giving to the church work. Our tithe that goes to the church work, we tithe off that, and that's financing all the work we're doing in the other nations. The pledge that we're asking for today is your faith commitment, what you and I, what we can do in this nation of Uganda to make a difference this year. Last year, we uh, sought to raise about $50,000, and we raised about 88000 and this year, I believe we can raise a lot too. So we're believing for $100,000 this year for Uganda. It'll supply a house that uh, everyone will go and say, man, what has God done in that place? That is amazing. And so it'll also provide for orphans. If you want to sponsor an orphan, please indicate that you want to sponsor an orphan. That's 300 a year for the orphan sponsorship. Please indicate. Then what happens is we'll take the papers up. There'll be a letter come back to you indicating to you what the next steps will be in the process, how we'll get the profile to you, when and where you can start the payments. Okay, we're ready to go. Father, we thank you that out of this church, Lord, there's a great release of resources to extend your kingdom. We thank you, Lord. This is who we are. We are a giving people. We are a generous people. We're a mission people. Not only here, but everywhere we go. Father, we thank you today for an abundant release of everything we need to advance the work and partnership with John in Uganda. And not only there, but all the other places that we're wanting to go this year. Father, come upon us powerfully. Jesus, you were sent into this world. You had a mission to seek and save the lost. You had a mission to destroy the works of the darkness. Now, Lord, you've called us to carry on that mission, to be the church, a 21st century church that engages in the world and advances your kingdom. Today, we thank you for an abundant release through young people, through single people, through widows, through married couples, through families, through business people in our church. We believe that there'll be businesses raised over there. We believe children will be cared for. We believe the church will become strong. We believe the kingdom of God will advance tangibly in every kind of way in the community. And Jesus, we give you all the glory because this is the church you said you'd come to build.
we delight to be a part and to be a partner with you in doing this. Amen? Okay, let's prepare to give. Shall you feel the presence of God? Boy, I can feel His presence. Oh, it's hard not to cry when you feel His presence. Come on, let's stand, church.